Welcome to the Greenway Outdoors podcast, your trusted source for outdoor information and entertainment. The Greenway Outdoors is also an internationally syndicated TV show and conservation advocate aimed at bringing millennials and Generation Z into the outdoors. Welcome to the Greenway Outdoors. The Greenway Outdoors is brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve Motor Trends Truck of the Year for the third year in a row, and by Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's, your adventure starts here. Tracker Boats, fish the finest, and by these other fine sponsors. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Greenway Outdoors podcast. I'm Kyle Green. I'm AJ. I'm Ryan. Uh, this week is Thanksgiving, and if you're listening to this, you're probably on your way over to Grandma's dreading the, the turkey dinner because you won't get to have something we cooked. And after watching us in the kitchen and putting all these sweet recipes together, you're probably a little jealous. But um, yeah, We know what we're doing. Uh, what, are you, what, what are your plans, AJ? Um, I think I'm I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, multiple Thanksgivings in one day or two days, so I will be subjected to potentially three of them. <laughs> and it just gets a little overwhelming once you once you just been gorging for two and a half days. So I've been trying to boycott it, but it's I've become I've failed at that. With so a girlfriend, you don't really get the decision making. No, it's just either like their parents, our parents, siblings, friends, his parents, the neighbors, stuffing galore, friends giving. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think uh, probably do it at my dad's, and then maybe like a later night. Uh, get together on Thanksgiving with some friends. Nice, nice. What are you doing? Um, I okay. So on Thanksgiving, we are starting at my parents' house, and then later in the day, going over to Jenna, my girlfriend's family's house, and then so we're doing two in one day. Duo. I've got uh, um, uh, for mine, I'm just going over to my mom and dad's because everyone's going to go over there. And then I get to see Lily and Kat and stuff and hang out with the nieces. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Do you guys have any weird uh, family rituals you do? Um, Traditions? Field dress a cat. Yeah, field dress a cat. <laughs> Shared a bowl of sugar. <laughs> uh, cruise for women. Uh, <laughs> we, we drink a lot of eggnog, um, but that's mostly just me. My mom got me a few different kinds. I'm Laurel looking forward to spiking some eggnog this, this weekend. Um, I know. I'm glad we started this. I'm not trend. gonna play football with mine. I'm just gonna drink it. But I, uh, <laughs> like, I like, I don't even know. I like, know. I'm not even aware of what alcohol is or the terms for it. Oh, I guess you can <laughs> spike it. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that and just seeing the family and stuff like that. But um, uh, the night before, are you guys gonna go out and do anything? Isn't that like the new Devil's Night? Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna go. Oh, yeah, isn't I'm the night? Good time. The night before Thanksgiving is the biggest drinking. Night so of they year. say. I think it's just a title. Really? Like, I, I usually try and you know. An, uh, partake in it but it's never chaos there's never like an abundance <laughs> of people it's funny as like what they mean is like oh it's just a lot of people are home from school so it's like a big bar night aj's yeah. like are we gonna start burning stuff down i started yeah. throwing toilet paper no one's participating well, the, the news is always like be careful it's this this and that a lot of drunk drivers and i just it's <laughs> so when of, you a bunch say, of hoopla when you say you try and participate yeah not the drunk driving part, though. No, just, no. <laughs> uh, just the, the uh, I try and get everyone going. He's like, I'll, I'll slip some drinks to people, try and give them their keys, you yeah. know. I'll be out in the Flint area, so hopefully it will do, it'll be a good time. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jeez, don't. How's the water? It's <laughs> heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. It's bottled. <laughs> Dude, uh, speaking of drinking and water, I remember 
senior year. We had no, we had just graduated. And we were <laughs> some girl was having a party, and it, it was a nighttime pool party. No one was really swimming though, but a lot of people were drinking. In November? <laughs> no, no, no. It was after we had graduated. Oh, it was, after it was summertime. Graduated. My bad. Um, and so everyone's drinking, and I'm seeing all these drunk people, and I have the grand idea that they also need to drink water to help them sober up. Yeah. And very nice of you. Oh, uh, to be clear, I wasn't drinking. I because is I that true it. though? That I wasn't drinking. No, the water thing. Oh well, because you probably get real thirsty. I've never had alcohol. I don't really know. I mean, it helps you sober up, kind of. No, it helps a lot. Okay. Yeah. AJ's like, I just do IVs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could help. But anyhow, um, I wasn't drinking, and it's not as fun when you're not drinking. So. I found a way to have fun, and I decided everyone needed to sober up. So I was filling the red solo cups up with pool water, <laughs> 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 and saying, "Man, you look, you need some water." Hey, don't forget Dude. to hydrate. Here's These people loved pool water. Here's were, some you diarrhea. Were the, you were the hero of the day. While, I was while poisoning yeah. them. So that's how I had fun at that party. <laughs> that's some that's some dark stuff, man. Never, no one got sick. It's that's some Munchausen stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's <laughs> that's some uh, <laughs> that's a. Uh, um, I mean, it, you don't know that they didn't get sick. They could have got the Rhea. No one's like going to come out and tell you. Yeah, I guess. No yeah. one died. They got yeah. diarrhea, well, though. You're good. Yeah. They well, got... I mean, how much pool water do you drink when you're just exactly. in the pool? Yeah. Take six gulps. I swim time. with my mouth open. <laughs> <so>. You're a whale. <laughs> <laughs> Filtering out food. <laughs> are you? Are, so neither of you are cooking then because you're bouncing around in different places? Um, yeah. No. So I've got... Uh, um, one of the the boobs off my turkey yep. uh, from this year, and I'm going to take uh, one of the breasts off and make cube it up and make that recipe that we do, like with the buffalo wings, mm -hmm. just to have like something from wild turkey. Because my, um, I think my sister's the one that got it. It's like a farm raised turkey and stuff from someone local that we know, and the, they tend to be really good. Obviously, they're big, fat, juicy birds, and everything's fantastic. But um, I always like to like have something that's from me. And I don't have any goose meat. And that's what Lily and Cat want is they're obsessed with goose. But I don't have any. I didn't goose hunt this year at all. Yeah. It was a weird season for us. A weird oh. fall. Yeah. We're just busy. Yeah. Just busy. A lot of good stuff going on. But, um, um, but yeah. So uh, that recipe actually, it's a bu it's boneless buffalo wings that are turkey. And it's the most amazing thing you could ever have. It, I would say it's mm. some of the best wings I've ever had. I'll put a link in the um, in the description below, and you can go there and check out. It's our HuntCast episode of Turkey Hunting with Ryan and I from uh, Fall Before Last. Mm -hmm. I think it's 2019. Just, um, yeah, I think 2019. The fall was of 2019. Fall? Or was it spring? Oh, spring. Excuse me, spring of 2019. Thank you. Um, of turkey hunting, and it's a turkey hunt, and we're kind of explaining like what happened and kind of, boy, what we thought we knew about the world at that time, right? Yeah, right. 2019, spring. We, uh, it was we're, just, yeah. we were just getting started. Having too much fun. Yeah, yeah, we were living life then. You were coughing on everyone, remember? Yeah. I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. After you ate that bat, remember? <laughs> Weren't you on a trip in China? <laughs> <laughs> but that recipe is at the end of that episode. The link is in the bio. you got to check it out. The best boneless wings. Makes Phenomenal. a good appetizer. And if you've got some turkey in the freezer uh, from hunting season that you want to crack out and feel like a, a true Indian or pilgrim, that's a that'd yeah. be a good recipe to it do it with. It was a pretty easy one too, right? It wasn't too, yeah, too involved. No, not too complicated. The, deep, deep frying was the key. Yeah, the trick is also soaking it in milk for a day. Yeah. That, that really makes all the difference. Yeah. The enzymes in the milk really break down the meat, and then it you know makes it adhere to the, they were the bread. Yeah, good stuff. I was pretty proud of that because you just don't know. 
you know, until yeah. you do it. And then you're like, I remember it being like a hodgepodge of different like spices and sauces. It's hot specific. Sauces. It's Kyle's special blend. Yeah, it was good. Kyle's 31 flake. No, that's Baskin Robbins. <laughs> I don't know. Is there like a way to not make saying that I have like a special sauce not sound terrible? No, no, like no. a G rated way <laughs> to say no, my it. secret blend of herbs and spices. Yeah, like a G rated. You got anything, AJ? Um, is there anything? <laughs> uh, you can't think of anything. Oh, uh, like meat cream or meat sauce. There you go. Meat cream. We'll call it Kyle's meat yeah, cream. There, there you go. That's perfect. That works Very great. Family that works great. <laughs> Speaking of things that are disturbing uh, and disgusting, I was flipping through TikTok, and you probably saw that you got a notification that I opened up the TikTok you sent me. Now, when you open up a TikTok from Ryan, you have to like go into it knowing, okay, I got a TikTok from Ryan. I'm gonna throw up, mm-hmm. and no one can be around me when I open said TikTok. <laughs> but this one wasn't exactly that. I can't even believe I can say this, but this is a TikTok we can show you guys. Yeah. I don't think that's the best spot to sit. Wait, <laughs> hunting over here, and you sit right where we're sitting. That's one of those videos that's it's actually not funny or disturbing, which is a, a new for you. Uh, so I want to congratulate that your For You page is less disturbing than usual. But the <laughs> you're like, everyone's going to think I'm weird. You're taking that too far. Um, but that video is weird because, I mean, you could break it down and try and figure out who's right and wrong in the situation. I have my thoughts, but before I spew out a typical Kyle rant, what mm-hmm. are your guys' thoughts on it? So obviously you've got the guy is sitting here duck hunting, he's shouting to a guy in a boat saying like, hey, you're in line with our decoys. The goal is we are going to shoot ducks that fly into these said decoys. We're here, and now you're there, and we would shoot at you. So, hey, and the guy's response is this is public property, meaning like I can be wherever the hell I want. Mm-hmm. So sit on it and uh, for about a week is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, <laughs> what is what is your thought on it? At first, like it's, it's it was hard for me to figure out what was going on by someone that didn't know what was going on. Sure. But um, I don't know who is at fault because who, we don't know who was there first. We don't know who started the conversation. I'm assuming it was the hunters because they got the film. The phones out filming. Um, I often wonder if like if you're in a, a sweet spot in the water where you're catching a bunch of fish, where moving may not be the best thing. But then these guys are like, hey, the docks are flying in this way. This is our spot. I really don't know if there's a right or wrong in this. It's more or less if someone's just going to be the nicer person and move on. Yeah. I'm, if I'm guessing, I'm going to guess that the duck hunters were there first. Okay. Just because of when you start. That's fair. It's still dark out. Yeah, that's true. So there's that. And then if I was put in either of those positions, one, if I was a hunter, I'd be so pissed. I'd be annoyed beyond belief. Wow, right. But if I was <laughs> yeah. the fisherman... 
I would. It wouldn't. I would just move. Yeah. Like come on. I, I wouldn't <clears throat> choose that to be my battle for the day. Okay. Ready for my thoughts? Those duck hunters. No, just kidding. Um, number one, I would guess the duck hunters were there first for a couple reasons. One, you start duck hunting earlier. Two, um, it is clear based on the communication, like you wouldn't go and set up somewhere that would then put somebody in the way of your duck hunting spot, yeah. in my opinion. Um, number three, it's way harder to set up duck hunting because you have to put all the decoys out. You have to do all those things. So odds are decent that the duck hunters spent a lot of time doing that. Mm -hmm. And the boat guy could have just rolled up at any time. Right. So we can almost feel pretty safe to guess. And the fact that they're clearly upset about it, we could feel, unless they're like the biggest jerks ever, it's most likely yeah. that the duck hunters were there first. <clears throat> now, the thing is, though, is like there's always, they call it the X. Whereas where, when you're duck hunting, it's like it's where the ducks want to be. You can put out the nicest decoy spread. You can do all the right things. You can be the best caller. But if there's like wild salary or there's something going on, where the ducks want to be in a certain spot, they don't care. They don't care. Decoys work. I'm not saying they don't. But if there's a spot that a duck is like, that's where I'm going, he's not going to give a shite if you're, you know, have the nicest spread out and all the calls and stuff like that. So, but that said, if you're fishing, you could even see where you'd like go out fishing. Like, if you find the fish, like AJ's saying, with that hot spot, that can be a lot harder to find sometimes, just depending on the, the, the day, time of year, you know, everything like that, the lake yeah. itself. It's like hot spots are hot spots. It's like if that guy knows that's where he catches fish and he doesn't catch anywhere else, he's a little bit more digging his heels in. And I think that's the only way it works in favor of the boater is if that's the are case. Are hot spots worth getting shot, though? <laughs> well, the, Yeah, but the, they're not really going to shoot if he's just standing there. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, who I, knows, like, man. They don't, they don't know. You've seen and heard stories of that yeah. happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. So yeah. these people, these people well, that, are going to shoot at ducks and, and not even worry about hitting. If you're shooting hitting. over their head... I'm not saying they'd be in the right to do it. I'm right. saying that you're guessing the temperament of people, and yeah. that, that's something you can't do. Yeah. Seeing Kenosha, it's on fire. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, so in addition to that, um, the distance at what the boat is, I would actually guess that the duck hunters may do it because the distance that that boat is, it's hard to tell. It's like a non-lethal range. It's a non-lethal range. It's a That stuff is raining on me range. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and if it's not hurting them or lethal, then – they're not, yeah. Yeah. So. You hope that it just aggravates the boater to get get out of Dodge. Right. So I guess right and wrong, I would probably side with the duck hunters in this in this sense and say, like, come on, guy. Like, go find an, you know, like, this is where we're set up. This is where we're shooting. It's just not smart to be here. He, he was being especially patient. He's like, <laughs> it would be just be that awkward pause. I just the don't want to shoot you. <laughs> so you might need to move. It's annoying that you didn't get to see what happened. You know, yeah, the, the aftermath of yeah. it. They my were filming. You mean tell me they didn't have the whole thing running? My guess is that they probably carry on, carry out on hunting. That's what I would do. Just, yeah, yep. I mean, I would, I would not try to shoot them, but I would hunt. Yeah, there. Yeah, how often does that scenario take place too? Yeah. I don't know. More and more. Also, more and you more. have the variable of they might not have seen another duck for the entire day because that boat was sitting there and that guy was moving around in the boat. And ducks yeah, don't want to come true. in. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Might be a confidence decoy. You just never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I just don't get why that guy would, yeah. would, would choose there. The guy that is sitting there is just, we've seen those people before. and they're They just, can't wait to. They, they don't know how inconvenient they're being, and they don't care as well. No. that or It's some guy who's just out there enjoying his boat and 
doesn't like hunters, yeah. so he knows he's he can. Which if he's doing that, that's you can get in trouble for that. Judging yep. on the boat, though, yeah, I got the sense that that's not the case. Yeah, it wasn't like some fancy ski boat; it was a fishing boat. And what happens if after that clip, where the guy the boat was just like, "All right, I'm out of here," but the video leads you to believe that he wasn't? Yeah, that, yeah that could, could totally that be that's a annoying. Jerk. Yeah, like, he made his own bed when he had a comment back like, "Last I checked, this is public." Land. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of... It would have been funnier if he said, I'll shoot back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. Keep things interesting, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I it, This thing, this video reminded me of... We'd covered it a while back. I'm not sure when, but just to brush over it again, the idea of you going out with a guide and then using that guide's spot fishing uh -huh. and the ethics of that as well. Is that wrong or right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, my breakdown has always been the same on that. Is like, okay, so let's say you pay a fishing guide, you know, four hundred bucks a man, and he takes you out fishing for something, um, and you don't know where to go or what to do. He takes you out to his favorite spots that he takes his clients to, and how he makes his living. You go out there and fish with him, and then you mark all those spots in your phone, and then you just take your boat out and go and use those spots whenever you want, mm -hmm. and kind of used them for those spots. Now you paid him to take you fishing. And he can't, you know, unless it's men in black, because it happens, yep. you know, unless he's got a neuralizer uh, where he can flash you and you forget, you're going to know where those spots are. Right. Um, and uh, I, I, but at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of things in life that like, what what's right and wrong versus like, if there's a law or if there's this or that, like you still have to like use ethics. And uh, I think I landed on the answer that in that situation, what makes most sense to me is if you are just trying to learn spots and exactly how to do it because you're going to replicate it, I think if you go into the trip and tell the guide, listen, I am, I'm paying for this trip and having you be out as my guide, I tip well. The reason why I'm doing this is because I want to come back and fish. So I want you to know that. So whatever you show me and whatever you got going on and whatever, I, I will probably do it again. So I'm, if you're uncomfortable with that, please let me know. Um, and if there's something you don't want to show me because you know that information, then that's on you. Yeah. But I'm using this because I just got this boat and I like to do this. I probably still go out with you once a year, but I also want to learn this so that I can do it with my own boat. So I want you to know that ahead of time. Right. So that maybe there's like cer certain things he won't show you then, or maybe he'll go try out new spots with you or something like that then, as opposed to putting him under the, uh, of like him taking you out and then seeing you in the exact same spot the next day, like a jerk. Right. You know, and that happened with Jacob. Yeah, we experienced it since then. We yeah, did that video. It was actually a really uncomfortable situation. I liked it. I, I tend to enjoy uncomfortable situations I'm not a part of. <laughs> was, I, I could Like Thanksgiving with my family. No, there I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, he, he, what was it? The day before had taken this guy out. This guy and his wife. A guy and his wife. and the, Who tried to pants him. Oh, my gosh. That was, was that that guy or was that a different guy? I thought it was, that the was a different guy. Oh, a different that guy? Different. Okay. Tell that story. Yeah. Well. <laughs> From what I remember, Jake, Jacob had brought these people out who got really drunk. Yeah, they I, the trip started well and he was enjoying himself. And then they, they were fishing for salmon on a river. Mm -hmm. And so he, I mean, there's no one really around where he was taking people. So and it was just them. So it's not like right. It, it, it's just weird. And so then the guys start getting more and more drunk, and then it ends up with <laughs> Jacob taking them back because the guy was trying to pants. Jacob, <laughs> while Jacob was taking a picture of one of their fish that they had caught. <laughs> Can you imagine, imagine being a fishing guide 
and having drunk people trying to pull your pants down while like you're like trying to grade. do like, like, like and, you're, and you're separated from it. There's no one around. What yeah. are you gonna yell for help? And they're like drunk and they're on your boat and they like well they sign a liability for them. So whatever happens happens. But yeah, um, uh, that's just they tried to pants them. So and, then he, and, and Jacob's like the nicest guy ever. Too. Yeah, and he's also like very very like low confrontational um, like temperament. So like he was probably like really startled by the whole thing. For him to kick you off the boat is pretty. Yeah, he, he took him pretty bad. He kicked him off. He said. Yeah. Yep, well, yep. I mean, once they start trying to take your pants off, you imagine just out there. Imagine if that was a female. Oh. I don't. That's <laughs> probably what he was wearing. I mean, what Jacob? Yeah, he always yeah. wears thongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine, like, because uh, there's female guides and stuff like that too. I bet they all pack. Dude, I. I bet. I think everyone should have a CPL though. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how it works for them because I, I would feel as a woman in the way men are taking them out on a boat by yourself. Yeah, it's, it sounds for an incredibly uncomfortable <clears throat> situation waiting to happen. Why do people have to be weird? Because it's the guy's know. fault. It's not the girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it always just is. like it wasn't Jacob's fault. It was <laughs> the guy's <laughs> fault. <laughs> the guy was drunk trying to pants him. Yeah. So kind of don't know. It's just. Yeah, that's 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 not. Not cool. I don't, I, yeah, not a, not a road we really want to go. Why down. do people yeah. have to suck? <laughs> well, yeah, why do people have to just be nice? Stop, stop pulling everybody's things. pants off. Um, so he took this guy and this wife out the one day um, mm-hmm. to the spot where we were fishing for salmon. Gets them out there, and then Jacob and them caught a bunch of fish. The very next day, we go out there with Jacob, and they're sitting in that spot in in their own boat, trying and to it, be like, not be but noticed. not not look over. And That's j- right. He had his back to us the whole time, and he would not. He look. wouldn't look. He wouldn't yeah. look. He saw us pulling up. You were I like saw making noises. Oh, I to was trying like, to get a reaction. <laughs> I, was and like, still didn't do I was like, I was like, it was like I was turkey hunting, yep. and I was doing an owl call. Yep. Yeah, you were you know, calling like, was, something. Woo! Yep. Just yep. shouting just to get him to look. Yeah, and I was like, and then uh, <laughs> I yelled shark at one point. <laughs> like there was a shark in the river. A shark. shark. And then it, Jacob ended up texting that guy. And the the best text. The best text. The only thing he said was. Hey man, <laughs> no, wasn't like not cool or something like that. No, no he, he just, just said, said "Hey man,", man. Oh, okay. he just it, said "Hey man." Then the guy responded and said, "Hey, I'm sorry." Like he apologized to him after just saying "Hey man." Yeah, and he goes, "I'm sorry," and then they packed up their stuff and left. Left, but didn't look at us even upon going by. Didn't wave it, by. No, nothing. Just head down. Shame. They yep. were very left ashamed. In shame. But that tells you, if they thought they weren't doing anything wrong, they wouldn't have covered their faces. They wouldn't have been weird yeah. about it. And if they would have gone in and told Jacob ahead of time, this is why I'm taking this trip. If you're not comfortable with that, don't take me. Here's what I want to do. Then maybe Jacob wouldn't have taken him to that spot, or maybe he would have. But then it wouldn't have been a problem when he saw him there the next day. Yeah. It's like truth is always the just lead with that. It's just easier to come up for. Well, and no matter what you're doing, you know, you know how based on how you feel what's right and wrong. Right. You can be cruel and in your disregard heart, that in your heart, Ryan. If you <laughs> look, if you look deep inside yourself. Yeah. You'll, you'll know the truth. You'll find That's it. That's also where we met uh, Frank Viola. That is where we met Frank Viola. Good old Frank. His uh, his dad, who has the same name, was a Major League Baseball player. And Frank did, was going the baseball route but decided not to and wanted to do <laughs> – uh, what is it? He guides for tarpon and he travels around the country doing all sorts of different fishing and photography. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's verified too. First time I yeah. knew <laughs> what tarpon was. Yeah. Yeah, tarpon are sweet. Tarpon are sweet. Yeah, he's a cool guy. So, Frank, if you're out there, we'd like to come tarpon fishing with you. 
He's actually been pretty adamant about it. I know. Well. It's been us. It's on us. He's like, you have an open invite. Just come. Please come. <laughs> he was here again for Salmon this year. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. go down to Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. No yeah. more Salmon. We have yeah. a couple of things we have to do in Florida, actually. I really want to do the Python again, just like I think we all do. I want to give that a six-day deal, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go to that fruit market. We'll oh, even wear yeah. clothes this time. We'll wear clothes to the fruit market this time. Oh, that's right. We just had, <laughs> that was... I, I was saying, telling Jenna that that was probably one of the sketchiest things we'd ever done was stacking me, you, and Ken into that canoe with all the camera gear. Oh, yeah. And it was, the water was, like, this far from the top of the canoe, and we're just, like... And, well, luckily, and, and on our way there, we had seen hundreds of alligators. Hundreds. Is. Luckily, there was a 0% chance of rain. So when that thunderstorm <laughs> rolled in, we had no idea it was coming. <laughs> we got dumped on. We're, like, a mile back into this oh, swamp. Man. The we fact have, that we even have camera equipment after that is Oh, we thought it was destroyed because we didn't have plastic bags or anything. We, just, we lost a mic. Yep. That was it. Yep. It was a gnarly rain. <laughs> it was bad. So mm. then after that, we went to a fruit market, but we were all so wet that we had like Ken literally just went in his underwear and uh, swamp boots. Yep. 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 <laughs> Knee high swamp boots, underwear, and then a T-shirt. And he got hit on hard by a woman at the at the um at the fruit market and he was just like he's like married with kids and so oblivious to the world he didn't know what was happening but he's just standing there in his underwear <laughs> eating fruit from this stand we were all pretty underdressed we got those shakes yeah yes those. the milkshakes were so good he's made I, out of real fruit and stuff all the mangoes I yeah spent so much time thinking about milkshakes so much time they bring uh, all the boys to the yard now that <laughs> nice now that i figured out how to have fruit Without having an allergic reaction, I really want to go back to that fruit stand because I would have gone in on that. Is the dog going nuts? I think he's dreaming. He's, oh, Hi. he does that. He's dreaming. Yeah, he's, he does his that. His little paws were going crazy. I think, too, for uh, Thanksgiving, I am going to try and probably duck hunt in the morning. Because sometimes the you, day? Yep. Oh, no Yeah, way. because I like that used to be a tradition of Jeff and I's, but then he became an adult and started doing what his fiance said, mm -hmm. which was really annoying, um, and stopped duck hunting like a she child. She tells him to do a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I we used to wake up at you know 4 a.m. every Thanksgiving, go hunting, get back at like noon, and then go through the full day. But man, when that turkey hits after being up since four, oh man, right around three o'clock, mm. the pie starts settling in, yeah. the eggnog fills in the cracks, and you're <laughs> out. <laughs> you start being sealed in by eggnog. <laughs> um, but I was reviewing. I like to keep track of the duck hunting numbers, and something we're always talking about is how to inspire new sportsmen and women to get in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And in that, duck hunting is one of the coolest things to take somebody out new in, uh, mainly because you know you can shoot six a day if you're in Michigan. Um, you don't have to be dead quiet, so you can keep from a kid being boring and that sort of thing. You mm -hmm. can kind of have a conversation, have a good old time. And uh, there's all kind of fun stuff to do, from setting up the decoys to running the calls, and there's just a lot that can happen without getting bored. Dogs, um, if you have dogs. Shooting them isn't easy. That's not the easy part, but it's a good time. So duck hunting is probably my biggest passion in the outdoors, my favorite thing to do. And normally people that duck hunt will often put it as their number one. It just tends to be that way. Upland hunters and um, duck hunters will like, yeah, I deer hunt. Yeah, I fish. Yeah, yeah. I do this. But it's always that is their passion. And yeah. that's kind of how I am with duck hunting. And you are with Upland. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this is interesting. From 2011 through 2018, there was one point, an average of 1.5 to 1.7 million federal duck stamps sold. Now, in order to hunt ducks across the United States, each state kind of has its own uh, duck hunting license. 
But then in addition to that, you need a federal duck stamp. So mm-hmm. you're actually buying it from the federal government as opposed to the, um, the, 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 the state. The state, yeah. So that being said, tracking how many duck stamps are sold is a good indicator of how many duck hunters there are mm-hmm. across the entire United States. And uh, actually, um, Theodore Roosevelt put this in place in 1934, both for funding, but also for the idea of exactly knowing how many duck numbers there are. Now, over the years, there's been a group of people that grew to collect them, just like any stamp or any card Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, And the money for them does a lot of good because it goes towards preserving wetlands, um, helping ducks in general, getting duck numbers up, the science behind it. Stopping population busts, the acquisition of uh, um, public lands in order to further docks, all kinds of things like that. So with that being said, here's the interesting part, though. According to the HIP survey, which is um, uh, put on through the uh, federal government and the Wildlife Service, they do surveys in order to figure out how many people are actually duck hunting. And through these surveys, they have found that there is only between 800,000 and 1 million duck hunters in the United States, which is strange because right now it seems to most hunters that there are more duck hunters now than in recent history, Mm -hmm. and I would attest to that. Visually, yeah. I've seen the numbers go up, manage waterfowl areas. I've seen it where there used to be 20 parties in a day. Now there's 40. I've seen some of them where it used to be 100. Now it's 190. I've seen the numbers. It's always packed. Yeah, it's always packed. And it seems to be getting more packed. And in addition to that, there there seems to be more pressure. There's more hunter disputes because of pressure. And yet it seems as though the numbers look like they're going down. Now, there's people that speculate that the the numbers are being loaded, that it's a a lie. Um, But I I think that there's a culmination of reasons. With what purpose would the lie be? I don't know. It'd be no, hard no to tell me anything. that there are less from what we've seen. Right. So, okay, so 1.7 million duck stamps, let's say a million hunters. Right. And how how are they differentiating between the two? Why is there such a big space between the two? Well, how are, are they taking they're saying this there's this many federal duck stamps, but then we go to each individual state and we're seeing that from the state there's only this many are uh, licenses sold. There's a few different ways that the data is collected, one of which is like when you go to a Walmart and you buy your license or a Bass Pro Shop, Mm -hmm. when you're at the counter, they ask you the survey questions. Mm -hmm. How many ducks did you shoot last year? How many did this? That survey takes place. That tells them how many people are actively duck hunting or how many days in the field. You know, some of the surveys say stuff like that. They also take, um, there's also different tallies that are taken from like the state level of like, for instance, when we went hunting with Rich, quail hunting, we had to sign in where we quail hunted and what oh, we were yeah, hunting we for right. on those public lands. So there's a lot of different ways that they gather this information. But based on the information that they think they're gathering, they believe the accurate number is actually now less than a million for the first time. There's only been like three times in the last X amount of years that that's ever happened that it slipped under a million. Like Yet the duck, stamp, the duck stamp numbers seem to be going up. That's strange. So why would that be? So... <clears throat> Naturally, there would be a difference between the amount of people duck hunting and the amount of people buying stamps. So my dad, for instance, buys a stamp every year, but he doesn't always duck hunt. So Mm -hmm. he would be like, I think that's a rare group, but it maybe accounts for like 5% of the spread. Does does he buy like the the, the year of uh, 
all the licenses in one type, like the package, or is he like, just we, like we had in Texas, it, where you can get all of them. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. Is um, but even so, the federal duck stamp is always separate. Okay. No matter what, oh, no, okay. even even there's no package that includes the federal duck stamp. Okay. That doesn't still have you individually buying the federal duck stamp, if that makes sense. Copy that. So, that's a good question though. Is like. I'm not to say though that my dad wouldn't be like, give me all the stuff for this, 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 and this yeah, because I, I might, I might do that. Yeah, I might do that. I might go duck hunting. I might do this. I might do that. Throw it all in. So that's very likely that that could be account for that. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, but I would say maybe five percent of the spread. The other thing is like uh, bird watchers and people that are care about the ducks or people that can't duck hunt anymore. People old retirees. I'll still buy the duck stamp because it does a lot of good. You got the collectors. Um, so those things exist for the spread and i would also say that i think that there is probably a decent amount of data that is misunderstood or not collected properly or not not given for instance let's say ryan you buy uh the federal duck stamp okay Mm -hmm. and you buy a duck license in arkansas texas and michigan but when you go take the survey if you don't go back there the next year, if you don't take a survey for those two, which is optional anyways, if you don't take the survey down there at those two locations, does it register you as, I mean, obviously, if you take the survey in Michigan, it registers you as a duck license buyer and that, but does it, how is the, how does the data perceived where they're like, oh, we sold this many duck licenses in Arkansas, Ryan Parks happened to be one of them. But did he? But did he even duck on it? Doesn't look like he did. He didn't sign in anywhere. He didn't take a survey. He didn't do this. We don't know if he even duck on it. I don't think he duck on it. So are you getting counted multiple times across these different platforms with these different surveys, as opposed to only counting as like he bought a federal duck stamp and he did hunt somewhere? You know, are <laughs> they do do they have a system in place to like cross reference all that data to like right. know whether you're an uh, a, a non hunter that bought a license or if you're I don't a pro? Know. Yeah, that's a stretch. Well, like. <clears throat> Okay, we'll Fine say 500,000 people who don't hunt are buying it for bird watching, collection, what all all the extra things that don't correlate with hunting. And I doubt it. And then there's everyone who hunts in their individual state, which makes up the the 1 million, and that leaves a 200,000 gap mm-hmm. of people who may have gone to other states to hunt. So they go from Texas to Oklahoma, or we go from Michigan to Louisiana. Yep, or it just l- like that. The the other thing is you have the uh, the different forms of how they acquire the data for each state, and then how is that all put together at the federal level? Right, and is it done well? Not to mention the fact that, um, and uh, you know, you could say like I remember thinking this and not doing it, but when I was young, I remember buying like my second or third hunting license, and they're like, "How many ducks did you get last year?" And like, part of me wanted to be like, well, I got 10, but really I got one. You know what I mean? But you didn't want to say one. Cause oh, it like makes, it made you look like you weren't good. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, lie on the survey. Like, 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 well. I got something to prove to the government. Now that's a dumb example. And that's a kid being 18 years old and like not wanting to look stupid. But there's a lot of people out there. Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that are like, hey, I don't want to tell these people I killed 106 ducks last year. Cause I don't know where that information's going. And they know where I'm hunting because of where I live. Yeah. And I don't want all these people. There are, yep. I don't want these people out here. I don't want everyone knowing that we're all killing a bunch of ducks here. There's people that just lie because they don't want people to know that the numbers they have. That mm. makes more sense to me than the people just not uh, buying a license and not hunting type of thing. I, 
I could also see people buying the stamps, going hunting, and then saying, "Just no, I didn't hunt because I didn't get anything." Well, I didn't hunt, or they did kill things, and then they're doing the survey while they're trying to buy their next license, and they're just like, "Nothing, nothing, nothing, nothing." Okay, yeah, give me my license. Right, and then you have the people that are working these counters that are two steps removed from the entire thing, like the person we have to find at one thirty in the morning at Walmart yeah. that doesn't give a flying rip about this, yeah. that are just, they're just clicking through stuff. They don't care. Yeah. They're like, we gotta get this over with. Yeah. Next. My break's um, in 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that's, that's, that's another thing of it is like. Plethora of variables here that can sway so numbers I, I I bet we barely scratched the surface for the variables too. Nope, I did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I, I, yeah, so that's. Your examples are pretty good. Thanks, thanks. So that's that's kind of, I was looking at the data, and I'm like, well, why is there only a million hunters and 1.7 licenses sold? And I was just sitting here trying to figure out why that might be. And the um, the president of the Delta Waterfowl and stuff had been, t did an interview talking about it. And uh, he, he shared a lot of the similar ideas that I have on why it might be. But um, in addition to that is like, we're seeing some confrontation happen too. I mean, in Arkansas, it's getting so overdone right now with like the amount of duck hunters that are actually going in there that they are actually closing hunting to non-residents for like mm -hmm. half the week. Like there's only certain days non-residents can hunt Jeez. now because it's yeah. getting, there's so many duck hunters that the competition for the public lands that are available is like oh, so over the top that like the non-residents aren't even able to hunt on certain and, days. And so, and they're trying to say that we there's not there's only a million hunt duck hunters in the entire yeah, United exactly. States. That's, that, that's why we're not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm not, not either. It. I think either people aren't being honest on their survey, or they the way their system's set up on measuring data isn't. I think there's a. I think I don't think it's any one thing. I think I, it's. I think it's 15 I, things that all attribute to a spread, and every one of them accounts for five to ten percent. That's why I, I think yeah. since we've done been doing the show, whenever that started to now, that's when the dike or the duck. Uh, Whoa! The duck surge took off. I agree. I agree. And I like to think it's because of us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to give us credit. That being said, it's like then we kind of come into a difficult situation of like, well, we want to bring in new hunters and fishermen, right? New men and women getting into the outdoors and duck hunting being a great tool to do that. Well, the whole point of the duck license is obviously to raise money for the conservation of ducks. And the numbers are pretty good right now. So it's like, the number the ducks aren't like going away or in any yeah. danger of being overhunted and overpopulated, you know, uh, you know, completely wiped out or anything. It's nothing like that. But when they're surveying this and they're like, okay, there's clearly more competition going on at these duck hunting spots yeah. and all this stuff going on where everyone wants to duck hunt on these public lands. <clears throat> more competition. Okay, so what does that mean? Is people are shoulder to shoulder yet they're trying to tell us that. You know, there's only there's less than a million hunters, but there's 1.7 uh, uh, million licenses sold. Mm -hmm. So they're like not buying that because it's like no, it's we're overdoing it, and the data has to be correct because the funds used to like okay, if there's 1.5 million hunters, then we need 50 percent more land and opportunity for those hunters than if there was not that many. So. Because if it was if it was way less than that, you'd have to account for that. Right. You no, know? it's just crazy to think that they're they're saying only a million hunters in the United States, and then we go to places to go hunt, and we're like, it's packed. Yep, it's never not packed. It's it's six percent of them are where we're at. Well, <laughs> you know, it, like, yeah, yeah. Say say that one million is accurate. It's like it, it, there's that little space for a million people to go hunt. 
unless people are only going on opening day and then then never showing up the rest of the season, then those numbers can be potentially accurate. But yeah. I'm also not buying that either. Well, I mean, I think all season you hear about people. Go, go, they, the real duck hunters are out there all season. Yeah. They're, oh, out, yeah. they're out, out there all the time. And we've done the the draw hunts a, a few times, which they suck. I Five hate times. them. Because um, we lose every time. And you have to get up at three. We just don't morning. have any luck. I mean, that's that's pretty much what you have to attribute it to is we just don't have any. Yeah, luck. I mean, the system. We never get a good The draw. system's good, but for us, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. What's he doing? Is he bothering you? Yeah, bite him. <laughs> I tried to bite him. Oh, you're trying the dog. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I mean, the managed waterfall areas, <clears throat> to me, though, should be kind of the heartbeat and the pulse on new hunters and fishermen because the number one problem that a duck hunter has, a new duck hunter, the number one problem isn't calls, isn't decoys, isn't shotguns, isn't shells, isn't the expensive, all that. It's knowing where to go. Yeah. And there's that's a whole thing. And I, I got 10 years of crap hunting before I was any good at it because of location. Yeah. What's it's funny you're saying that too because that just reminded me of some kids I was talking to from my grade, who, in Fenton, yeah, there's not really anywhere to hunt, but we have we have the mill pond which is kind of like the town square where everyone hangs out. That's our downtown. Yeah, Pokemon goes big there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you're one of those nerds, um, but if you head east out of town, we. Uh, along our mill pond if you get to the north side of the mill or the east side of the mill pond there's like this little sliver area where you have a little bit of room to hunt and they had the cops show up on them and say (laughs) they tried it there yeah they did and they can really like legally they can do it and there's a lot of ducks there yeah and wow no no not farther out than what you're thinking okay um but they they found a spot where they could get in and they could do it and the cops showed up and they're like what are you guys doing we're hunting and then they showed like hey we can do it they're like all right just be careful yeah and this that, is your that friends kind of, yeah acquaintances okay yeah best friends got it <laughs> um and it, it just goes to show that like it's more people just finding the weirdest places to go hunt they're finding these little cracks and crevices on any waterway maybe a gold mine spot too yeah that's true. Uh, I know they've gotten a few ducks there, but uh, sorry for outing their spot to the entire world. Yeah. Yep. The OnX link can be found in the description below. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean that's that's that, but it's you still want to inspire new sportsmen and women, but they have to get a better grasp on what's going on with this difference between the license sales and the actual hunters because it's yeah. obviously not correct. Yeah. And on top of that, um, and I don't know what the answer is, so that was really fun. Sounds to point like they out. don't either. Sounds like I got to point out all the problems they have. But there has to be a more accurate way to deliver the data. Um, I think doing it online and making it uh, very easy and user-friendly and some sort of reward system in place for it. Yeah. Possibly, a, for instance, in Michigan, we have the Pure Michigan Hunt where you can win this hunt, and it's this dream hunt. You buy you buy like lottery tickets for it, like $5 a piece, and if you win, you get to do a bear and an elk or this or that, all, all these different things. Is you know Putting in a little bit of funding into a prize package or something like that to do that would be um, – probably helpful make it online some sort of benefit to the hunter that's the other thing it's like a lot of these states everything is still uh, all like by paper i don't know why we get our surveys in the mail yeah like that yeah and i don't think that's the way it should be i understand why they do it but we're getting to a day and age now where it needs to start transitioning because i think you would see an extremely large difference in survey numbers the problem is like the 60 percent of 
white males are still the ones buying 60% of white males over the age of 55 are still the ones buying right. the licenses. Well, how about do this then? There's a co do the code where you go follow this link, go to the, use this code and that's your survey. Yeah. So, cuz I mean, mail sucks. Yeah, it does. Trust isn't built in a day. It's built over time. The early hours and the late nights. It's built by doing the work and pushing the limits every day. Because the promises we make are the promises we were built to keep. If you'd like to help support the Greenway Outdoors, please like and comment on this podcast and subscribe to all of our channels. How long did they say that your deer was going to take when we were at the processing place? Oh, um, they, they, they were pretty wide open on that. And, uh, they said three to six weeks and you better get it that day. Yeah. They said once you, once it's done, you got 24 hours to pick it up <laughs> and they're like, it's out of here. Yeah. Yeah. What do they do with it at that yeah. point? I they, think they're they just trying to, to keep it. the, they need the freezer space. I think is. What oh, I'm sure. But like, what if you don't come get it? What happens? Right. Is it their meat? I don't know. They make you pay up front too. Did you read the fine print? I didn't. Uh, my guess is they toss it. Out of spite. You were my, here on my time. Gu my Man, guess is it gets know. made you into jerky that's sold in the front thing. I'm by pretty, the way, I better be a good excuse. Some of it's going to be jerky, by the way. I I'm guess pretty pumped for that. Yeah, I love um, jerky. Anyhow, I normally don't get my deer processed, so I'm a little bit new to this. Um, I did this one because he was six years old, and uh, it's kind of yeah. funny because it's like when you <laughs> when you when you get a deer, and that's not to say like the meat is going to be bad or anything, but um, it's probably not going to be great. But when you when you take a deer to a processor, the reason why I never do it is because you don't necessarily know you're getting your own deer. And when you get hamburger and when you get jerky and stuff like that, a lot of times you're getting like a mixture of different deer. So, but given the fact that my buck will probably be the problem child in the whole yeah. thing as far as like- It'll come out on top. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you figure like there's a mix, right? And like, let's say that mix of deer meat that all comes together at any given time is like a seven out of 10. And I'm taking a buck in that is probably like a three or a four on the on the quality scale compared to like <laughs> a, a big fat plump two year old doe that is uh, on the ten sky side. That's what you want. So by me bringing in my three, and then I end up rounding out about a seven with the jerky and the hamburger that I get. I'm actually on the, I'm on the plus side. Now normally I still wouldn't quality. I normally mm -hmm. still wouldn't do it, but we've had a pack schedule and I got that deer, and then um, that's just the way it worked out. Yeah. And yeah, you gotta be quick on it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's you can only hang outside. And Thankfully, it was cool out. Well, that was no, the problem. Though, if you remember, I mean, it was cool. Well, the day of that we took it. Right. W the day that we took it, I was gonna process it the following day. I could do it the following day. I couldn't do it that day. Well, it was sixty-two degrees randomly from thirty the day before. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, I'm gonna have this one processed. And yep. then the 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 icing on the cake was the fact that um, you know, it's uh, I got to add them into the pile with <laughs> with, yeah. with the slightly yeah. better ones. Um, but I, I, what a, what a hunt that was. It was weird. Um, we had a lot of stuff going on to the point where you guys weren't going to be filming. Um, and I went up for opening day. Now, November 15th in Michigan is opening day of rifle every single year. Um, and it's a big tradition. Obviously we filmed episodes. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Ryan, the, the last hunt cast actually, mm -hmm. um, where you got your first year and I shot a nice buck there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I've gone there since I was a kid. That's where I learned hunts, where I kind of cut my teeth in the whole thing. And uh, <clears throat> we've got about 500 acres up there. 
uh, a house and it's kind of sp spread out where it's like 40 acres here, 20 acres there, 70 there, 80 there. And uh, um, we own a lot of a valley um, in the um, n in northwest Michigan. And it's just a amazing place. It's my favorite place. I just love going there. I love hunting there. I love being there. I love everything. I just soak in every moment that I'm there. But this year, opening day, November 15th, which is – it fell on a Monday, which is a little – not great for uh, a litany of this is like the worst day it could land on actually um <clears throat> so um archery season goes right up until november 15th so we went up on friday and then uh, um i had a date on friday and then on saturday i bow hunted and uh didn't get anything Su sunday bow hunted in the morning didn't get anything and then sunday night um just before dark it was probably four o'clock we had a um, uh, I had seen a spike that was like good size. Mm -hmm. He was actually probably like a three point, but his body was so big. I was like, that's a that's a good size deer. But it, of course, had little antlers on it. If it was a doe, it, she was dead. But <clears throat> I had been sitting in the tree stand Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday, I, I sat in the tree stand in the morning and I'm like, I'm done getting rained on. I, it was just freezing sleet, rain, <laughs> snow. I'm like, I'm done being wet. I'm done being miserable. It was windy, so my scent was getting out. Well, I had a blind set up not like 30 yards from where the tree stand was. I had done some scrapes with some synthetic scent. Relax. I didn't use real deer pee. I'm not spreading fake chronic poisoning. Everyone chill. Uh, but I did some scrapes and um, have some really good deer trails that go through there where I've had success in the past anyhow. So I set up there, um, <clears throat> and I saw that spike. And uh, um, I, I, w I remember looking down at my phone, and then I looked back up, and I saw – a deer coming across my vision, but like in the trees, like, so I'm only seeing piece of it. I'm like, oh, it's the three points just walking around still. And as I, um, as I'm like looking up and seeing, I see like the flash of a side of like big antlers and I go, oh geez. And it's the, the deer is moving with more purpose. And I realize it's much bigger than even the spike was, but it's going across my view. Now I've got my front window open and my right window open and I'm facing my right window because I can shoot straight and I can shoot to the left, but with a bow, I can't shoot to the right because mm -hmm. Your, your arms just yeah. don't go that way. So <clears throat> as it's coming across, I was like, okay, I had never used one of these before. And this is not an endorsement whatsoever, but I I have never had much luck with deer calls, pretty much ever. Now, this deer was going away from me. And once the way he was headed, I know the trail he was on. A doe had gone through there earlier that was small. I think he was on her scent. He's gone. So I last-ditch effort, get to one knee in the far right corner of the blind. So I'm like down on the ground and the window is right here and this deer is over here. So I'm like, okay, he's way over here. So I'm going to have to shoot out the front window pretty awkwardly uh, all the way to the, I'll have to be all the way to the right to shoot all the way out left out the front window. So I kind of get to the corner real quick, quietly. And I pick up a grunt can, or not a grunt can. Uh, um, it's just a, like one of the can calls where you turn it over and it sounds like a doe. Yeah. Saying like, hey, ba <laughs> hey, baby, a little pillow talk for you. Like, you know, yeah, they um, love it. They did. Well, I mean, I'd never seen it work. I, and I had even used that call a couple days earlier trying to get deer to react. And yeah. they like didn't give a shite. I do it to this one. It stops in his tracks and looks dead at me. And oh, I'm he like, he's ready for it. And I'm like, hey, uh, well, I'm thinking my thought now is that he was smelling that dough. And then I made that sound. And he's like, is that where the trail goes? Cause I hear chicks over there. I hear, "Hey, little mama." So, uh, 
just like all the same things I use to pick up women. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> so, uh, he carries around a can and flips it back and forth. <laughs> and girls love it. Um, so I did that. The deer stops, turns, and walks right towards me. But now it's walking straight head on at me. So I'm like, crap. So I kind of <laughs> duck down a little bit like below the window as best I can where only my eyes are above it. And I got to pull back my bow. But because he's looking right at me, I can't, like, lift my bow up and pull it back normal. I have to, like, kind of, like, I have it facing the ground, and I have an arrow knocked. I'm like, if I can just pull it back like this, then I can, as soon as he looks away, I can go up and then be able to pop him. It's like, in my head. but in, And this motion is exactly right. Like, how I'm trying to miss the table is, like, what I had to do to get the bow out the window. So I'm like, here it is. <laughs> and uh, um, <clears throat> so... I go to pull it back, and he's looking at me when I'm doing it, but I'm trying to stay low enough that, like, only my elbow will pop above the thing. Dude, I pull this back, and as soon as it gets to the the let-off point on my bow, which is it's like an 85% let-off on my bow, my freaking shoulder, never happened to me in my life, just pops right out of the socket. Right out of the socket. Pops out. And I got past the break point, and it was such a confusing situation because it, like, I freaked out because the deer is right there now. He's, like, coming towards me. On top of that, my shoulder popped out of the socket, which I've never experienced. I, like, obviously knew what was happening. I had a hint of buck fever mixed with anxiety pain. and pain. So I'm like, I got to get the shoulder back in place. That's the first thing. But I can't move because he's looking at me. And it's the every second it's out, it's freaking killing me. So I try and duck even lower. And my broadhead goes into the ground, which scared me a little bit because I don't want to get dirt all over it. I don't want to do anything to inhibit the flight. And it's a mechanical. It's a rage broadhead. It's a no-collar mechanical, which means that upon impact, the thing opens up. Well, you don't want it opened up. You don't want the broadhead to open up before you fire the arrow. You want it to be compressed to the arrow so it flies true. So I'm like, crap. And I bounce my arm like this until it pops back into place. He looks down. At, I don't know if he's taking a scent, and he was like nosing the leaves mm-hmm. like that. And I lifted up the bow, and I was like in a ton of pain, but okay. The whole time that that happened where I was trying to put my shoulder back in place, I still had the bow drawn. Luckily, there's like 85% let off that I was able to do that. And you would think that when my shoulder popped out of socket, I would have the bow would have collapsed on me, like I would have lost it, but it actually couldn't. It was like it was out and locked down. Oh. So because it was locked down, it like held the bow back for me, which I think is probably what did the ligament damage. But at the same po- <laughs> at the same point, I'm kind of glad it happened because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to, you know, keep the bow back. I'm glad it popped out. A that lifetime, way. a lifetime of injury. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was worth one deer. Eight yes. seconds. No, I'm saying like it was gonna pop out. If it was gonna pop out, might as well do the one where I still get the deer. That yeah. was that's my yeah, point. that's true. So I lift up and dude, it was just like clockwork. And for the last eight months, we've all shot probably three four days a week consistently and i just went when that happened buck fever is gone i went right back into my routine i lifted the bow right to my i i am a huge believer that that string needs to be the dead center of your nose i put it right there i knew he was between 20 and 30 or 25 and 35 yards away so i put my first pin uh, just above where i wanted to hit and the second pin was just about on maybe a little bit low on where i wanted to hit um I aim small, miss small. I slowly pulled the trigger and everything just, I let that arrow go and it just buried where I wanted it to. And that was cool because it was like all those variables of trying to, mm-hmm. trying to stop me. And I still put the shot exactly where I wanted that shot to go. And I hit the deer 
and he turned and took off. And as he was running, he was running away. I saw the arrow in him still, and I saw that it was where I wanted it. But I didn't love the fact that it didn't go through. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm like, ooh, because you figure it goes in, and then because it normally the exit wound is where all the blood starts coming out. But I was like, oh, if it goes in and stays in, how much blood is going to come out? Right. You know, will we be able to track them? So I immediately call, and this is what was kind of cool. It sucks that like it wasn't filmed, because I'm so used to filming that like I always get to relive every experience. So I almost, it gives you a point of mindfulness when you know it's being recorded because you can just live in the moment knowing that if there's something you miss in that moment, you'll get to see it later. Yeah. Or that you're almost very, you're just very present in that way. Uh, filming does that for me where it makes me very present because I'm just living in that moment and it's almost as if because I know I'll review it later, I'll be like, man, I wish I would have noticed that. So it's like I'm almost assessing everything differently. Um, and in that moment, I call my dad. And I was so excited to call him. Then I call the, um, Pete, uh, who is like a, a mentor to me. And he came over and Pete called Peter, his son, who's like one of my best friends. Peter comes over. And then Clay, shout out Clay. I know you're waiting for it. There it is. Yes, you helped me drug it. I get it. Um, uh, but uh, Clay... Um, and then uh, I think there, there may be two or three other people came over. Just, oh, Jeffrey came over and everyone brought over flashlights because it was just before dark and it was starting to get dark by the time they all got there. We only gave him about 20 minutes. I knew I buried the arrow home. So we go and I'm like, he kind of went this way and kind of went around that way. Like he, he did like a big dog leg, um, we, you know, the way he ran. Everyone's like, okay. <clears throat> sure enough, Clay's like, I got blood right here. And I was excited because it was only – maybe 15 yards away from impact. And I was like, okay. Then you look, and because there was some snow, he, it was like a magic carpet ride of blood and turned up leaves. Like you could, hmm. we were briskly walking. That's not the word, but we were walking briskly. <laughs> I just keep circling back to it. <laughs> we, were, um, we were walking at a pace. Casually. That, casually, no problem. Like a, a brisk walk, if you will. <laughs> and uh, as we're walking, we're able to see there's like a good amount of blood. And I was like, okay, well, I'll hand it to Rage there. I'm a little upset that the arrow didn't go all the way through, especially considering I hit ribs. I did not hit any shoulder or anything like that. I would have thought it would have been a through and through shot. No problem, but it is what it is. But the amount of blood was insane. We tracked him, though, for probably just over a quarter mile. Just, mm. but the entire way. There was never longer than 30 seconds where we were like, oh, God, where's the blood or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And I was like, how did he not run out? And uh, we found him, and he was, like, basically in a um, in an open field area. Like, where there's trees and stuff, but normally what deer will do is they'll run and hide when they're hit and injured, and then they'll lay down and just never get up again. Rarely, and normally it's your fault because you pushed him, and I do not believe we pushed him. I just think this was him, Yeah, that he ran himself until he died. He just ran until he died, and where he landed is where he landed, and he went until he went. And uh, um, we ended up finding him. Um, and at the time, and this was, you know, um, where we hunt, the deer have to have at least three antler points on one side. Now, just seeing the one side of him, I knew for a fact he had it, right, mm -hmm. because I saw at least four on the one side, and it was big. And the body on the ma deer was massive. So I was like, no question, he's a shooter. And uh, uh, coming up to him, I realized that – on his one side, he was broken off, which you're seeing in these pictures right now. But he's broken off, and uh, um, on the one side, 
and it looks like it happened during antler development, like or fighting or something, because yeah. it was broken and kind of healed, and it was kind of glazed over, like it was during the yeah. gr growth process. So technically, he'd be a four point on one side and two point on the other, so it'd be like a six. But he probably would have been a really, really, really nice eight point because the one side is really nice. Yeah. So and then upon having them aged. For all the people that are out there, let them go, let them grow if they saw them, because there's people that'll be like, oh, I only shoot bigger deer and this and that. This deer was six years old. So we had him aged by the Department of Natural Resources, a six-year-old deer. So, and uh, it was funny, because like when we took him back to the house before I knew the age, there was a couple other bucks that were there that was a 10-point and an eight-point that were killed. Nice deer, um, probably three-and-a-half-year-old deer, really nice ones. And you put mine up next to him, and he looked real gray. In color, yeah. in color compared huh. to them. Oh, so man. yeah, yeah. Oh, so, elder. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. It's like because people are like, oh, you don't want to shoot, you know, two and a half, three and a half. Let him go to four and a half. It's like, well, okay, he was six. So now what? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he wasn't. Was he the biggest? No. Um, but the fulfillment that I got from using a bow was cool. And again, oh well. And again, having that point where it was like it wasn't being filmed. It like um, it really made me like stop like through the whole thing, and I was like very appreciative of everyone. I was like, thank you so much for coming to help me look, and like I was like looking at my dad's expression when he found blood because my dad was really excited and like his smile and how Jeffrey was and Clay helping me drag him out and Peter, you know, there with me and talking about oh yeah, but you know, uh, this is this you know there was points in time where we're like, how far is he gonna go? Maybe it isn't a good hit, yeah. you know. It's yeah. like all the different emotions of what was going on. Like I just got to like live it. And now it's gone. And that's not normal for me because that's – but that's what most people live. But normally <laughs> everything is – every move I make is documented. So it was like – like it took me back to the old times. Like I was sitting in the same spot that I – my very first morning ever deer hunting. Yeah, that's you cool. You know, um, that was my first buck with a bow. I've killed doe and different animals with bows, but I've never killed a whitetail buck with a bow yet. And it was in the first spot where I deer hunted. My dad was there, got to walk over. Pete was there. Peter was there. Clay was there. It's like Jeff was there. It's like like kind of a weird emotional thing where it was like – and it was a first. Like I haven't had a first in hunting in a while. Yeah. So that was that was cool to have that. And it was such a nice deer. Um, it was old. You know, saying so, I outsmarted a big mature buck like that that's been around for six years living that life. Um, dislocated my shoulder. Like the story – of course, I always go to like the story like with the show and stuff. Like the storyline would have been amazing. Especially when my shoulder popped out, you may have a hand may have come from behind the camera to help it get back in if someone yeah. was there with me. But it made it just made everything cooler, you know. But it, at the same time, it's like, like I missed the day, I missed the experience. Like I, I like want to go back and do it again. Like have see my dad there smiling, see Pete there, and like life changes, you know. People get older, um, things get different, dynamics in like in hunting and stuff. You know, old man Bill was up there. We call him Wild Bill. He is, you know, he's like 90 years old. And we literally take him out to a stand now with a walker, you know, to his deer stand with a gun and load him up and give him a loaded gun and turn on his heater and call it a day. Um, but, you know, he's he's going out swinging, which is awesome. But, like, how many – he tell, he's – the very first morning I went deer hunting, though, Bill told me this is my last year. That was my very first time, and he was there this year. <laughs> so yeah, it's like many he's been later. he's been saying that for a long time, but it's like how many more does he really have? Yeah. So it's like he was there, and everyone – it was just like – it's like I've been doing that since I was a kid. It's like what got me into hunting. It's like what got me to start the show. 
you know, it's just a really special day. Yeah. That I, I like miss that day. I don't know how to explain any other than that, you know, any other way. Well, sounds like one for the ages. Yeah. 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 It was. It was a good time. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Go to our website, thegreenwayoutdoors.com. We have our store up there where you can get all kinds of cool Greenway Outdoors merch. On top, on top of that, check out our main TV show found on Sportsman Channel at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays. Check out our HuntCast show, especially that turkey one that I was talking yeah. about with you. It was actually a pretty cool one. It was. It's a double kill shot. You can find that one on our website as well as our YouTube channel. Our outdoor education series can be found on our website. That is just an encyclopedia of how-to videos. So if there's something you need to know about the outdoors, go there. If that video that you want is not there, write us. Let us know what you'd like to see because we're making tons of them right now. Yeah. So we kind of like to get your feedback on that. In addition to that, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Green Outdoors podcast and stay green.